We want to welcome Chuck Neufeld to our congregation this morning with his guitar as our minister of the word with music too. Chuck was born in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, but he lived uh, as a missionary kid in Europe for quite a few years. Since 1974, he's been a member of the Markham Mennonite Church in Markham, Illinois, Chicago suburb. And I uh, imagine some of us here were before, born before seven, 1974 and some born after 1974. He was a lead pastor there for 12 years. Uh, he worked for 25 years helping lead the Mennonite Voluntary Service Organization. Since 2009, he's been a Illinois Mennonite Conference minister. Uh, he's ma been married to Bonnie for 42 years. And he's, got he's a keeper. And they have two children. So, Chuck, we're expectant to what you have to say and sing to us. Jesus, won't you come by here? Won't you come by here, Jesus? Won't you come by here? Now is the needed time. Now is the needed time, Jesus. Won't you come by here? Jesus, won't you come by here? Jesus, won't you come by here? Jesus, won't you come by here? Now is the needed time. Now is the needed time. Now is the needed time. touch us now Jesus won't you touch us now Jesus won't you touch us now to heal us now Jesus won't you heal us now Jesus won't you heal us now Stay long, Lord. Jesus, won't you come by here? Jesus, 
Heart and mind, it's all yours to have. All you want, Lord, is my heart. My heart is yours alone. Fighting, I may set apart my mind to be my own. If all you want, Lord, is my mind, my mind belongs to you, but then just leave my heart alone to do what it would do. If heart and mind would both suffice. While I kept strength and soul, at least I would not have to sacrifice completely my control. If heart and mind would suffice, while I kept strength and soul, at least I would not have to sacrifice completely my control. Since, oh Lord, you want them all To shape with your own hands I pray that I may have the grace To live your first command Since you want them all To shape with your own hand pray that I may a delight to discover the four um, mission statements, missional statements, convictions that you've articulated as a congregation. Um, if you don't already do this, I hope that from now on for the rest of your life, 
you will wake up every day reciting those four to yourselves and reminding yourself of what those are. They will transform you if they have not yet done so. Uh, once you articulate something as powerful as you have, you are not only privileged, you are obligated. To <laughs> I don't know, let me take a picture of this. They look, kind of, they look kind of glum at the thought of that. I'm going to say this again, and you pray for, the, pray, pray for the Spirit's guidance as you put on the countenance that will prove to the people of the world, who will surely see this picture in one way or other, that you really are committed to the, okay, here we go for this side, here we go, look like, look like you're playing the part. Okay, now your turn. You're all in this. Think of those four things that you've committed yourselves to and put on an honest face. That's pretty good. You know, what's amazing is that there is a way of coaxing out of us not what I think is fake, but that which truly does indeed reflect our most core convictions. There is something, though, that often messes with us. I'm so glad you guys are close by. Here. I don't know. Back to the part here. There's, I just saw these young people here, and there is something about the energy of a child, and I know some of you are getting close to being beyond that. There's something about the energy of a child that is what we need to rediscover. When I look at the four purposes that you have, you have committed yourselves to, how many of you are committed to these four? Well, there are plenty of you. There is plenty of you to accomplish the tasks that God is calling forth from you as a congregation. They're powerful. To be transformed by God's mercy, grace, and love. To equip one another and to live peaceably and generously. To introduce your children and your neighbors to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Important to contribute to the well-being of Lancaster City and the wider world. As I wondered what to speak to you about or what to be the messenger about, I looked at the lectionary texts which you heard today, you heard read today, and I was stuck on the Mark passage. I love how Mark tells stories. Incredibly brief, it appears at times that he exaggerates. The whole town, immediately. <laughs> Stuff like that. I mean, he's just like, wow. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went to see James and John to the home. Uh, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Peter. As soon as they left the synagogue. As a songwriter, one of the things I do is I listen for hooks that might be used in another song or some, somebody said something. And Mark at times provides some of those. The word, the phrase that really struck me here was, as soon as they left the synagogue. I was kind of stuck on that and I thought, wow, 
There's a, there's a certain kind of immediacy, and he actually uses the word immediately in the next verse. But as soon as they left the synagogue, they went and did something. And the story, then we'll take a look at the story. The story tells us what they did. As soon as they left the synagogue, let me just, as we look through this passage, let me just ask you that. What are you going to do as soon as you leave the synagogue today? Terribly important question. What are you going to do as soon as you leave East Chestnut Mennonite Church? What's your business? What's your intent? What's your heart, soul, mind, and strength say about what kind of claim does, does that have on your life as soon as you leave here? Where will you go? What will you do? Well, that sentence strikes me that it relates to your purpose number four, to contribute to the well-being of Lancaster City. As soon as they left East Chestnut Mennonite Church, all the members of this congregation headed off to see somebody where there was some kind of trouble going on or where there was some kind of fellowship to be had or where somehow they could engage in a meaningful sort of way. As soon as you left here, that's what you did. I don't know what you're up to after as soon as you leave this place today. No idea. I don't even know most of you by name. I recognize you as Christian brothers and sisters. That's always a miracle to recognize someone before you know their name. Kind of brings up this old song, hello, I love you, won't you tell me your name? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they didn't, I don't think they knew they wrote a gospel tune. And the truth is that that's the only phrase from that song that could possibly be sung at East Chestnut Mennonite Church. I checked it out. <laughs> and so they went to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with the fever. And they immediately told Jesus... Can you imagine? Jesus walks in, and the first thing they say is, Our, my mother-in-law is sick. Purpose number three, to introduce our children and our neighbors to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, our Lord and Savior. Immediately, they told Jesus about her. Immediately made this connection. Immediately. There is a choice that we make as followers of Jesus, and that is to be so well rehearsed, to have imagined, what will I do when such and such happens? What will I do if that happens? We rehearse like a child does. I know what I'm going to be when I grow up. I don't care how old you are. I need to do this now at age 62 still. I wonder what I will do when I truly become an effective and faithful follower of Jesus. Or to say it a bit differently, what do I need to do as a follower of Jesus? And to rehearse it, to imagine, so that we're not always caught after the fact, saying, boy, I wish I would have thought of saying that. I always think of it after. Well, you know why we always think of it after? Because when something significant happens to us, we park our brains and our hearts on that, and we reflect on it, right? And then we have a lot of regrets, all too often. 
Man, I wish I would have thought of saying that. Man, I wish I would have behaved differently. I wish I wouldn't have, you know, I, I had so many options available. Why didn't I think about that? Well, the reason we didn't is because we don't think ahead. I've been enamored with the word pretend. Why don't you just pretend you're like Jesus? I dare you. You know, when my granddaughter says, Opa, let's play pretend. You know what she's saying? Let's act as if it's really true. And then if she really wants to get into it, she says, Opa, why don't we dress up and play pretend? Think about the gospel. Put on Christ. Put on the whole armor of God. And when I think of the word pretend, and we might have some etymologists here who will say, boy, that guy was all washed up. In English, I don't need to be an etymologist to, to see two words in this word pretend. Pre-tend. Before you tend, before your Jesus nature becomes natural, there's that preface. Or thinking of you as a congregation. If you can't act lovingly to each other, why don't you just pretend that you love each other? I'm serious. Why don't you just pretend? It's a Christly thing to do. To act like Christ even before you feel like it. Pretend. Do it, do it, do it. Feelings will follow function. I know this from my 42 years with Bonnie. And I thank the Lord for her. She is an easy person to love. God probably knew that Chuck Newfelt needed someone who would be very accepting and forgiving and long-suffering, and I could go on and on. She's a dear, dear person. She's a lot farther on to tending. I'm still much more in the pre-tending. But I'm pretending to be like Jesus with the greatest of commitment, with much vigor, with much enthusiasm. Knowing that I need forgiveness 70 times 7 just about every day. So he went to her, Jesus, after being immediately introduced to her. He goes to her, takes her by the hand and helps her up. Let me remind you that as a Jesus follower, you have the opportunity to be so alert so that you too can go to her and you too can help her up and give her your hand and help her up. You too. As a Jesus follower, you will allow someone to take you to the place of need. And you will do that as soon as you become aware of it. And you will go and you will place yourself in positions where people can immediately introduce you to the need at hand. And then it's your job to remember because you have thought ahead, you have spent much time wondering, what will I do when such and such happens? And you will be prepared to go and to give your hand and to raise up. Bonnie and I were on our way to the hospital to make a hospital visit, and Bonnie and I have made a commitment to be in this neighborhood in which we live, which is 98% African-American, 
It is economically in trouble. It is a place that needs Jesus and in which Jesus is alive, but where the light of Christ needs to shine brighter still. And Bonnie and I have made a commitment. We dedicated all the area within eyesight of our home as a no-violence zone. And we informed the neighborhood of this, as we can, that this ground is indeed dedicated to the purposes of God. And surely that realm needs to extend far beyond what is within eyesight of our home. But that is our obligation. And so that's where our energy and prayer goes. And we made a vow that we would never be witnesses to violence without confronting it. We would be immediate and we would be uh, pray for God's strong assistance so that we could engage in that way. So Bonnie and I were going to go to the hospital. Stepped out the front door and here was a crowd of probably shy of 100 kids, high school kids. We live right on 163rd Street, which is the main, one of the main roads in which kids walk home after school. Junior high is over here, so all the kids that live over here have to go through our yard or past our yard. And the high school is down this way, and they have to, all the ones that live over here go through there as well. We used to have a nice ditch. Markham is a south suburb, uh, now may as well be inner city, but it, it hadn't been retrofitted with sidewalks. And when they put sidewalk in on our street, they elected to put it on our side of the street and a new sewer system on the other side, which was lowered into the ground, obviously, and so the other side got nice big yards, and we got the sidewalk. And I said, dang it! Now the kids are all going to come through our yard. You know, we used to have this nice yard. And sisters and brothers, because one has prayed, one is messed with thoroughly by the Holy Spirit. I all but got poked in the eye by the Holy Spirit on this one when I said, this is really, this is really dumb. We have a sidewalk running right through our yard. This is spoken by a missional-oriented Chuck Newfield. Like, what the heck are they thinking? They're bringing up the, the whole town through our yard. Holy Spirit comes and says, tickling. Chuck, you got what you prayed for. The world has come to you. Wake up to it. So under this magnolia tree, around which the sidewalk moves just a bit, because Bonnie all but chained herself naked to this magnolia tree and said, you will not take this magnolia tree down. And so the engineers finally listen to her, and the sidewalk kind of loops around it. Under this magnolia tree, we have two benches that are available to anybody to come and sit. Back to the story of the, I'm in so much trouble already. Anyway, I'll just stop when, would you just all wave, uh, or just leave? <laughs> you, what, you're already, you're already, oh, <laughs> keep going, okay. I'll, I'll look at you. <laughs> it's you and me. <laughs> what, what are you doing at two? <laughs> Man, now i got to remember where I was. Oh, yeah. Um, it's right. <laughs> you, quit thinking about my wife. <laughs> um, 
So, so here we were going to the hospital. Step out, and here are these kids. And there is a fight going on that sounds brutal. Kill him! Kill him! Kill him! Were the words I heard. And I heard amazing sounds of, of bodies being punched and hit. Now here's, here's the thing that I am submitting to you. Not that Bonnie and I are more courageous than you. But I will say, and we may not even be more prepared than you all are. I don't know that. But I can give witness to the fact that Bonnie and I were as prepared as we were for that day because of what we had done at the beginning of the day. And what we had done as soon as we left the synagogue. And that is to say, God, give us the ability, give us the alertness to be immediate and responsive. Reaction quick, but responsive to that which is around us. And you know what? The best trained soldier, if I can borrow from that arena for us to learn from, and that is to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse so much and to train, have, have behavior workshops here at East Chestnut, how to engage with the world so that you are so well rehearsed that you can respond reaction quick. But your reactions are responses. So Bonnie and I, instead of heading for the car and heading off to the hospital, or worse yet, saying, oh, there's trouble there. Let's go this way. We have committed ourselves. If we see trouble, we go to it. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. God so loved the world that he sent his son. That's our job. So we walked straight over. We didn't, say any, we didn't need to say anything to each other. What are we going to do now? There are a bunch of kids in our yard fighting calling for the death of someone. I walked into the middle of this crowd, pushed them aside, got, got the two guys, pulled them up. Both of you were made in the image of God and you're not behaving like it. Quit it! Stop! It was completely quiet. Until one of the kids said, man, you are stupid. We could stick you right now. I said, young man, you can stick me right now and you're welcome to do so. Let me tell you on whose authority I'm here. I'm, on, I'm here on the authority of the one that they stuck 2,000 years ago. Your move. I said, young man, you are welcome to come and be here on this yard and to come to that house Anytime, day or night, anytime, I will welcome you. You live here? That's my house. Oh, man, I'm in trouble, he said. I said, what's the matter? Yo, he said, I'm staying with my grandmother. She's your neighbor. <laughs> I said, welcome to the hood. I said, people, I want you to know that the ground on which you're standing is holy ground. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where some of the kids' response. I said, I'm serious. We have dedicated this for the glory, to the glory of God. No act of violence will ever occur here without it being confronted. 
And these benches over here, these are peace benches. These are benches for you to use. Any of you, without charge, day or night. But I'll just tell you something. If you ever use them for purposes other than peaceful, you will have to deal with God himself. Oh, man. I said, I'm serious. Don't mess with those. In fact, use them. And then the sirens started going. I had noticed all the houses around, what happens? Shutters close. Doors get locked. There's trouble outside. And then the sirens started. And when we heard the sirens, I said, it's time to go home. Time to go home. We'll see you tomorrow. And off they went. About two minutes, all the kids are gone. It's amazing how fast they can go. Gone. Five squad cars roll up. I'm standing there. We heard there was trouble here. I said, there was. Have a good day. And what happened? I said, we, we talked to a bunch of kids who were having some trouble. We're okay now. So off they drove. About an hour and a half later, one of the kids, the one that was being taunted or the one that was being cheered on to kill the other one, was walking towards me on the sidewalk, which the town put in to bring the world to us. <laughs> walking towards me. So I walked out on the sidewalk and just waited, and they came to about as far as, you haven't given me the signal yet, but as far as you are to me. And they stopped. And I said, you know, and he was with two others, I said, if you're half the men that you claim to be, you'll keep walking. I'm not going to hurt you. So they did. And I said, I'm Pastor Chuck. The guy says, I'm Robert. And a guy, the one beside him, poked. I said, your name is Robert? And the middle guy looked over. You're lying to the pastor. <laughs> uh, I said, what is your name? Tyshawn. I said, good to meet you, Tyshawn. These are moments. These are moments that you can have or that you have had where the Holy Spirit puts us in position so that the day in our life might look like a day in the life of Jesus. Where we are aware enough of that which is around us and we are confident enough and humble enough to say, you know what? There, I am never in any position that is irrelevant to the kingdom of God or to the purposes for which God has placed me on this earth. Never. That's not to say that you always have to feel burdened with everything. No. I enjoy times of relaxation just like this story shows Jesus committed to doing, heading off by himself. You too can be about the business of... Um, responding to the world around you in immediate ways, in rehearsed ways. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door. I'm sure. Again, a mark usage of the whole town gathered. But it reminds me, people were being introduced to Jesus, the neighborhood, 
and they were contributing to the welfare. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Question I would have, if you're a Jesus followers, are the demons aware of who you are? Have you declared your identity sufficiently so that the forces around you know are silenced? Think about it. If you are an agent of Christ, a follower of Christ, if you are a little Jesus as a Christian, have you declared your identity sufficiently so that the destructive forces around you are silenced? That's what happened with Jesus. It can happen with you. You too can be so clear. You can, and I don't mean arrogant, and I don't mean loud or whatever. Whoever you are, if that's who you are, fine. But whoever you are, your identity, your persona, your ability to look like Jesus can be powerful enough so that the forces around you are not allowed to speak, just like they were not allowed to speak for Jesus. This is you. Could be you. And early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. While it was still dark, waiting for the light. I find it interesting. There's instruction here for us too. As we anticipate the illumination of everything that is now obscured by the darkness, where are we? What are we doing? Are we alert? Are we preparing so that when things come into the sight, we know how to recognize it and we might know our role in response to that? That's what Jesus was doing. While it was still dark, he went to a solitary place and waited for the light. Do that. And you as a congregation will be more capable than you are now, I would assume, with regard to these four mission statements that you've, you've developed. Before the light even shines on every day, spend some time, anticipate the, uh, the illumination of the day that's coming so that you could be more responsive. Very early in the morning, still dark, he got up and he prayed. And then Simon and his companions went to look for him. And I love it. Where the heck is he? And when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody is looking for you. So now we got immediately, as soon as they left, the whole town, and now everybody is looking for you. And I find Jesus' response interesting. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. Okay, so he's in town. He's been healing people, catching people's attention. And now it's the next morning. He's off praying by himself. The disciples are concerned. The gig isn't over. There's more stuff to be done. And Jesus' response is, come on, let's go elsewhere. Let's go elsewhere. To some other nearby village so I can preach there. That's why I've come. And I wondered about this. It seems so kind of strange to start something and then to abandon it. Jesus didn't abandon it. Interestingly, he had already healed. He had already silenced forces. And now he had healed many, many people. Time to move on. There are now healed agents who can be testifiers and witnesses to what's happened. Let's move on. What are you doing as a congregation? And please don't hear that as judge. I don't know you. But I know that to be a good question. 
What are you doing as individuals or as congregations from moving on from what you've already done so that others might hear and be introduced to the message of the gospel? And that, that could be a, a question that applies to within your own journey or even without. But often it strikes me that we as a faith community are satisfied with keeping Jesus to ourselves and we don't even do the Jesus thing. And that is to say, somehow we have experienced God's saving grace, powerful, transforming power. And we are now going to, we're going to trust that those that have been touched by the gospel, there will be sufficient people, witnesses, local, and we're going to move on as well in order so that this message can travel throughout Galilee, throughout Lancaster throughout Pennsylvania, wherever. My prayer for you is that you will take great delight, that you will recognize the privileges and the obligations that come with having stated and articulated four purpose statements as you have. Let me end with a song. Is, there, is that okay? Still time? This is a song by uh, George Washington Phillips, uh, an African-American uh, writer from the, who recorded this uh, in 1928. Sorry. When my Lord walked on this land He was all about His Father's command He knew who He was, the Father's Son Came to draw everybody unto Him Jesus met the woman at the well Oh, He had a sweet, sweet message to tell She got confused, didn't know who He was Came to draw everybody Lift him up in his word Share the name of Jesus everywhere Keep his name ringing Everywhere you go And he'll try everybody unto you Lift him up and he'll try everybody unto you He asked her for some water Oh, she tried to hide Then she tried to tell him all about race pride she was yet to learn about the gift of God. He came to draw everybody unto him. You lift him up, that's all. Lift him up in his word. Share the name of Jesus everywhere. Keep his name ringing everywhere you go. And he'll draw everybody unto him. You lift him up and he'll draw everybody unto him. When she learned it was Jesus. She ran into town Come and see the one who told me everything I'd done I know this is the one they call the Christ He came to draw everybody unto him You lift him up, that's 
praise God, when I sing, that's not your job. It is God's job, Christ's job, to draw people to him. It is for you to issue the invitation. Don't you dare do God's work. Do the work that God has assigned to you. Let God do God's work. God bless you richly. I will remember you as dear sisters and brothers. Be blessed, be empowered, be the people of God. God has called you to be. Bless you.